Aloha Maui through a mask. How are you? <laughs> this is the Solar Coaster. Hey, uh, this is Josh Porter. Welcome. Uh, we also got Jason Vericard. You there, Jay? Good morning. And Brian Thomas. Hey, Brian, you there, buddy? Indeed. Hello. We got a special uh, show today. This is episode 152. We're talking with Zoltan uh, from Maui Mana Monitoring. That's an organization, a company here in Maui uh, that it deals with um, kind of aggregating uh, the different systems that, uh, and then and putting them into one kind of uh, one kind of uh, software presentation for clients to be able to see all their assets together in one place. Very cool technology. Love guys like this Zoltan that uh, put together these uh, you know new, create new value propositions that are right here you know in our homegrown kind of cottage industry of solar. We're very excited to talk to Zoltan. We've been talking for years. He's got some really cool special sauce to dig into. We're also going to get into a bunch of news and events about the solar industry throughout the world. Uh, we are uh, observing social distancing in some new ways today. We got Brian is usually in studio with us, but it, he's uh, he's calling in from his home office. So how's that feel, Brian? Uh, good. It's a new uh, it's a new program. It's a work from home, call in from home. There you go. And Jay, of course, is calling in as usual uh, from Japan right now. How's it going in, in Japan these days? Oh, uh, the weather's warming up, and some of the kids are going to be going back to school. I'm thinking it's a questionable policy, but we shall see. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Let's jump into this, folks. You ready to go? Let's do it. Here we go. As hey. always. Hey, folks, this is The Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on uh, 1110 a.m. That's Kaoi. 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry www.solar-coaster.com is where we keep all our old shows. You can also listen live, check out the YouTube channel, which is a lot of videos and stuff from places that we have been, although we haven't been traveling recently. <laughs> um, just get yourself out of the house a little bit virtually and uh, follow us around to all these all these interesting solar events that we've covered over the, uh, over the years. Uh, you can also get on our mailing list, but most importantly, um, get into that old show catalog and do your research if you're interested in any of renewable energy technologies for your house, uh, for your car. Chances are we've talked about it. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, etc. all carry the uh, podcast Solar Coaster. So you can get those on your mobile device and listen to us anywhere you're walking around. Got some great sponsors, collaborators, and friends uh, throughout the world here at the Solar Coaster, Fairwinds Wealth Management. That's Brian Thomas's own investment firm here in Maui. Thank you, Brian, for your uh, support and collaboration over the last six months. I personally have learned a lot. If people need to reach you, how can they go about doing that? Uh, 808-873-3247 or info at fairwindswealth.com. Good time to get in touch with Brian. Uh, he's got some great strategies that can help you weather the uh, strange times that we're in right now. Uh, also, Enduro Shield and Perfectly Clear Glass. Had a couple of conversations with Gary Dolberg here in Maui. Uh, he is of Perfectly Clear Glass. And it seems like Enduro Shield is really starting to get some traction in the renewable energy space, specifically with companies like ISP and others that we've had on the show, because there's opportunity here with uh, this panel coating that can uh, keep your panel. Uh, operating better and re reduce the amount of soil and different types of uh, things that keep get them dirty over time, right? So it's a really interesting uh, thing to see these types of technologies take off as a part of being, you know, in the solar coaster. Also, Sundrum Solar Pan Tech Design, soon Solar Edge will be involved. I do want to make a special mention that we've had uh, 
a new collaboration brewing for a while with the, um, the executives over at Solar Power International. And we're going to be doing some virtual trade shows and summits and things of that nature uh, in order to help and kind of lead up to the big uh, event, which hopefully is is a green light uh, as usual in, in the fall of 2020. So that's pretty, pretty exciting stuff, gentlemen. Uh, opportunity to work with Really smart guys over there at Solar Power International. So that SETS is the name of the organization that runs Solar Power International and North American Smart Energy Week. Alrighty, those are all our good friends out there in the world. You guys ready to go to news and events? Do it. Always. Alrighty. So, what's going on out there, Jay? You want to start with global? Uh, start with global, yeah, right away. Um, so Spanish solar, uh, we don't hear a whole lot about Spain doing stuff, but Spanish solar hits a record genera- a generation record um, in the month of March after being locked down for a month. It's kind of interesting that that as things shut down, um, solar production has, has absolutely spiked uh, across Europe. This is, I guess the, the, the headline is a little misleading because they basically have, they have nine gigawatt of capacity across the nation. And they installed four gigawatt last year. So, of course, a year over year. <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, uh, they, they basically almost almost have twice as much as they did last year. They doubled so, their amount of solar in a single down. year. That's unbelievable, actually. O- almost, almost. Well, it's because it was such a small volume. But now it's it's getting to be significant. And they're using it, which I think is, is a great deal. So absolutely fantastic uh, to see Spain making the moves. <laughs> And did you mention that there was uh, a lower lower load right now because of what's happening, like the overall uh, impact of the of COVID nineteen? Is is that part of this kind that, of equation? Yeah, that's certainly part of it. I mean, in a lot of parts of the world, you're seeing curtailments because so when solar spikes and they don't have a place to put it, they just they, they blow it off or they shut down the systems, um, which is called curtailment. So it's, it, they're basically shutting down the solar because they just can't use the energy um spain is going about it the opposite way they're they're shutting down um traditional generating facilities and using the um the, the renewable assets there you go there you go and, and yeah it, it the article noted too that there was a, a 25.6 percent of all gigawatt hours produced nationwide and and that was when the sunlight was in a uh, non-traditionally strong time of the year Wow. So one quarter of, of all energy produced or used? Uh, it says include individual milestones such as PV's success in covering 25.6 of all gigawatt hours produced nationwide. Check that so, out. Pretty substantial. It's produced. And, and, they, and, they, and they actually do. Yeah. And they do actually export some of that power, too. And they have to they have to run these systems uh, if they have contracts to export power even across uh, borders, which they do quite a bit in Europe. There's there's a lot of high voltage um, lines going back and forth between the different individual nation states. There you go. Hey, Jay, you want to shift gears and talk a little bit about what's going on over there in uh, Kenya? In Kenya, I like I like this story. You sent this to me this morning. Um, Azuri Technologies is is a um, home solar company in Africa, and they are specifically pushing a solar uh, completely off grid. Uh, a couple solar panels and a TV that gets their EDU channel, educational channel, um, 29, I believe, it's number channel 29. Um, But they're pushing these all across Africa because they are also in lockdown. Um, And it's meant to supplement education. This this TV and solar panel system, they go go and drop it off. It doesn't require power. So even if you don't have power in the villages where these kids are located, they can still get their TV during the daylight hours when they would normally be going to school and they're 
airing exclusively educational programs. So they get education in English, Swahili, math, science, etc. All these things, as well as hygiene and, and nutrition lessons, are all being broadcast to kids over the air and powered by solar. Gosh, this is really an amazing example of uh, of technology and, and renewable energy technology, specifically leapfrogging the traditional process of grid building, right? So you, yeah. you're not only are you bringing power and you're bringing power to these environments that don't have grid access presently, but you're also bringing the devices that will bring immediate value, right? And, and in a specific yeah. time for a specific need. It's just remarkable. I've seen these uh, different models uh, over the course of the last few years where, uh, and they do it on a, um, usually it's a funded model, right? And it also create a lot mm -hmm. of the times there's an entrepreneurial component to it where they're, uh, they're, they're providing jobs, you know, sales, management, installation jobs. And these are micro systems, you know, they might only be like 100 watts or a couple hundred watts or something, but they're enough with a little bit of storage to charge, you know, to charge and run a television. Yep. And then, of course, immediately now they're bringing out content that's going to support people, uh, people's lives in this kind of strange time. Such a cool concept. And, and Josh, yeah, I like it's really, it's really the good. word. Oh, sorry, Jay, go ahead. What's that, Brian? I, I said, uh, I, I like how you used the word leapfrog because essentially in our, you know, some people just want to think linearly. These guys are like, let's put together a, an energy efficient smart TV, rechargeable radio, satellite entertainment, and other appliances and just bring it directly. And then they talk also about how to limit the spread of the coronavirus too. So they've got programming tailored, like Jay said, for the hygiene and the health and everything. Yeah, it's really fascinating how much value can be created with renewable energies when, when you know, it's being, in, in a sense, it's like harnessing the power of renewable energy in, uh, in a crisis moment and then, and then putting it really to bear, you know, put that, that, that value, like leveraging it. Because if you can imagine an environment where they don't, where you don't have electricity, you certainly don't have TV, you probably don't have lighting. Now you have lighting, now you have communication, now you have content, and someone out there is making money doing that. There's, so there's income, uh, and now there's the opportunity for education to continue. It's just awesome, man. I love this kind of stuff. This is, this is like the, the reason we're in, involved in this industry, you know? Yep. All right, Verkart, where, where are you at, buddy? Uh, well, Mr. Porter, I'd like to ask you a question, actually. Go for it. Um, traditionally, solar panels in residential come in kind of two flavors, mm. just, just color-wise, right? You get your silver ones that everybody's seen, and then you have that, what, what did you call it, triple black, you know, the black flame mm -hmm. frame and the black panels. Yeah. And, 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 and that's pretty much your only options. Yeah. Well, a German company is now offering gold. Oh, gold. <laughs> I love gold. <laughs> it was specifically developed for a building, um, I believe in Switzerland, um, yeah, uh, that they're restructuring. It's an old uh, 1963 era um, housing complex that they're completely renovating. And of course, with the new regulations in, in Switzerland, they need to make it at least kind of semi-neutral, uh, hmm. neutral power. Generator. So they're looking for unique ways to do this. And they commissioned this German company to make panels that would go sit vertically on all the verandas hmm. so this this veranda um this veranda panel is vertical it's going to be working in the morning in the evening or depending on which side of your building you're on but they did want them in gold and so they made these things and they look actually really good i mean it doesn't look like a solar panel at all because we're so trained to uh to see either silver or silver or black modules um but but it is uh i, I did the math and it's a little bit less on the the capacity the generation side, it's like 191 watt panel, which 
certainly puts it about like 10 years ago era <laughs> era yeah <laughs> yeah classic. yeah well i mean i guess here's the thing right like this is part and you mentioned this earlier jay first of all gold is a gold solar panel what's not to love <laughs> but you know and then <laughs> and then pimp, a, and, pimp my roof <laughs> pimp my roof it's like a grill for your building but it you know the um we actually encountered uh colored and tinted solar panels uh, when EcoShip was looking at how to go about uh, applying solar panels to the cruise ship, right? So there's a couple different companies out there that were doing that, and you had a, you, know, you could choose your your color that you wanted, and there was a pretty good diversity of colors available. And you, of course, you, you, your efficiency is sacrificed uh, in some in some part as a, as a, as, a, as a component of that that conversation. So. You, know, you get an aesthetic to it. You lose some efficiency. In the case of you know when you have more space than you need and you can do this, it maybe it maybe it works and makes sense. In this situation, it's interesting because they've got a you're a vertical face, right? So it's it's yeah. very um, it's very visible, much more visible than your traditional solar panel. So you can see why aesthetics might be reasonable. Let's say there was a reason there was a decent reason to choose gold. I don't know why that would be, but. Uh, and then now because it's vertical and it's right in front of you, you're going to see it all the time. So you don't necessarily want to see a PV panel, perhaps. You want to see something that looks like an aesthetic building block of a building. And then now you're just getting more energy where you wouldn't typically get it anyway. So the fact that it's a little bit lower efficiency, I think, is is kind of okay. And it's kind of just like building out the capacity of a building. And then we're going to look at another article in a second about windows, right? So you have windows. You have vertical-facing f- modules that would not would just be, you know, regular uh panels in, the, in normal circumstances. So when you're doing that, I mean, it just seems to me like you're just growing the capacity to generate more energy and get more and more independent as a, as a building. So I dig it, me personally. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think it looks cool. I mean, um, it, it's an interesting building in the fact that it is a balcony, but from the waist down is that panel, but from, from above that is actually a, a sheet of glass, so it's not open per se. Right, right, yeah. Very. But yeah, it looks, it, it looks cool. <laughs> get an extra 46 kW on that building. Sweet. Jay, which one do you want to jump at next? <laughs> yeah, so, so let's talk about those windows you were you were, you were chatting about. I'm looking for that um, one. This is this is kind of kind of the deal. We want to make build buildings neutral. Buildings gen buildings generally consume about seventy percent of the um, the energy in in like urban districts. You know that that electric energy is consumed by a building that will. Um, doesn't doesn't have the roof space right it's it's a large vertical space there's a lot of space interior to the building but they if you just try to put solar on the roof you're not going to come close to what that building is actually consuming and so there a lot of folks are now targeting the side faces whether whether it's these verandas or a new company um which is actually targeting windows uh ubiquitous energy is a company in, in uh, redwood city california and they're trying to get regular looking glass to actually generate electricity. Now we've talked about a couple different ways to do this before. Like if you put like little thin strips of solar along the edge of mm, the glass, and use I remember that optic effect to, to harvest. Um, but they're actually using full dyes, and their trick is that they're using the infrared light, the spectrum that we can't, we cannot see, the below, ah. below red, um, to to, har- to they're harvesting that energy. And so the regular visible light, the stuff that we use to see, is just let pass right through. But then that infrared light is getting captured and converted into electricity. And I have to wonder if it's like if you sit in front of the, the regular window here and you, you feel the sun's heat, that's that's infrared energy. I wonder how much of that is cut 
out of this spectrum. It wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily bake what's ever in front of the window if it's if it's harvesting a significant portion of that infrared spectrum. And it depends on where in the infrared spectrum. So it's, you're saying it's there's harvesting. a potential heat. Uh, there's a thermal conversation as well. It, 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 well, mitig mitigation is they're 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 after that same infrared and heat are are kind of interchangeable, but it's, it's a large, it's a wide range of the electromagnetic magnetic spectrum. Yeah. And so we're, I'm not, not entirely sure which frequencies they're, they're harvesting, well, but it's not, you, it's not visible light, which is what makes their window transparent. That's pretty neat. I'll tell you what, there's a sentence here. He says, uh, ubiquitous energy's transparent panels can produce up to two thirds of the energy that traditional panels do. So that says to me, they're, if your average panel is 20%, two thirds of that is about what, 12, 13%. Uh, efficiency, something mm -hmm. in that territory. Yep. That's not bad yep. for a panel. In fact, that's about two to three times the efficiency of the um, of those those uh, uh, side collector ones that we had looked at earlier. Yep. From what I recall, they were like you know a yep. few percentage yep. points. So you get much higher efficiency. They talk about them being about they they mentioned that they're about twenty percent more expensive than a traditional window. But anytime you have this conversation about PV or about you have like this math to do based on, you know, overall that added cost, less incentives with your net cost versus what your savings are. And to me, 20% is a very small delta. So uh, if you have a 20% yeah, over, over the over, if, if it's got a 30 year lifespan, yeah. like a traditional panel, um, I mean, I, I smell some ROI that is what I'm saying, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> BT, exactly. do you smell the same ROI I do? Because I smell oh, yeah. it. This is truly a uh, economic thing, but it, it does allow a whole lot more surface area to be to be converted to productive surface area. So yeah, and um, at a significant number too. At thir you know, let's say it's thirteen. I just pulled that number out from what they said, inferred it, right? Uh, but at it, thirteen percent, you all of a sudden you've got all this workable area, you know, and, that you wouldn't have in a building. I mean, you really just yeah. significantly increased your coverage, which is necessary. And then and then you've got this small delta. You're going to spend money on your windows anyway, right? And the last piece of this, which Jay just brought up, that heat conversation. We know that thermal is kind of the, 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 the one of the last kind of uh, frontiers of the renewable energy space, how to deal with all these thermal loads. Uh, and so if you're able to reduce the amount of, um, of, I guess, heat gain from the sun in buildings, reduce your HVAC loads, now you've got another gain, another benefit right there, right? So I would like to see, so we've got to get this guy on, ubiquitous energy, and we've got to start crunching some numbers. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, miles bar. Absolutely. <laughs> they, 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 they have an install in California. You can actually go and see it. It looks like that. Uh, kind of looks like a garage door because they have so many sensors and monitoring devices in between the glass panels but <laughs> oh, that's fun that's but fun. it's but it's cool all right all right uh so honolulu star advertiser is reporting now that uh hawaii electric is planning a near one gigawatt hour battery storage to be rolled out in in the near term um we do have that 2045 mandate so we're, we're kind of rolling in and we know that storage is kind of the key we can generate enough energy the issue is, where do we put it when the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing? So um, they're specifically targeting this Tesla Mega Pack, which I don't know enough about. It's basically a large, looks like a large um, container, with a shipping container um, filled with batteries. And they have really crunched it down. And there's a lot, a lot of energy density to this thing. You can store a lot in it. But it's, even, even so, it's going to be like, think um, the Costco parking lot filled with trailers <laughs> of, <laughs> of battery, of batteries. That's really what it ends up looking like. Um, thoughts on this on this plan, gen gentlemen? I mean, it's 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 certainly a, 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 a well, large buy. 
Yeah, here's a question, right? So uh, I'm trying to get us. It looks to me like what they've done is they've taken RFP phase two and they've aggregated, they've put it all together and said this is the amount of storage necessary. And then they've said, well, the only technology that really can do that at the moment is the is the power pack, uh, scaled up, which is the mega pack, right? And so the mega pack, and they but they do in a couple. We have like three or four articles covering this because we're trying to get information here. The mega packs look like you know they've they've made some advances. Uh, they're taking up less space. They're kind of getting more efficient with these technologies. But, you know, so they're going to be deploying these things all across the islands, it looks like. And um, they talk about it. They talk about some specifics, too. They talk about pricing. Each mega pack is priced between $600,000 and $900,000. Ooh, I didn't know that. That's interesting, uh, you know. And um, they, they've got a, some of the functionality, some of the specs. You know, they, there's, a, there's, a, there's more information kind of coming out about these. I think it's fantastic. But, you know, the, here's the question that I have. Megapack is a cobalt solution, that, as I understand it. And Jay, mm-hmm. you and I were both in that in that room, and I don't know if we're supposed to talk about this, but that room in 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 Bavaria in the spring, uh, looking at that graph <laughs> that we weren't allowed to take pictures. Great. Of. We're in a we're in a room <laughs> somewhere in the world, looking at something we weren't and supposed to look at. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Like in, in all seriousness, the concern about chemistry and longevity, right? Uh, yeah, now, yeah. of course, Tesla could be around forever. They could be the first trillion, well, one of the first trillion dollar companies, I guess, is the language. But um, and they're you know dominant in so many things right now, and they could just replace it. Okay, great. But is this the right chemistry? And guys like BYD are talking about uh, lithium iron phosphate, uh, lithium iron phosphate at cobalt prices. So you know if we're re- they're, they're, this conversation of we're about to put in. Uh, how many, I can't even remember the number. It's so big. Uh, a gigawatt hour? A gigawatt hour of storage that's cobalt-based. It's like we probably should do a quick little check and make sure that cobalt's the way to go and that that six- or seven-year fallout uh, projection that we saw for a lot of cobalts is not accurate, right? Or is or Because it, it, if BYD is coming out, and you know, then it's something to consider. That's a, that, When I read this, that's the main thing I think about. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. I, I mean, so what we're talking about, folks, is the fact that, that uh, these cobalt – um, technology batteries, lithium cobalt technology batteries, um, do have a decreased capacity. It's the same thing you see with your phone over time. It just doesn't hold as enough as much of a charge as it used to. And you imagine over six years, if you had the same phone for six years, most people don't do, how much storage would actually be left in that battery at the end of that six years? It's, it's, it's a significant decrease. You only get 60, 70% of what used to be in that battery to be able to store in that battery and that's if it's if it's well maintained these systems are designed to maintain the internal cells as much as possible but it's still going to decrease quickly we don't see the same kind of drop with the iron phosphate technologies and so that that's a big big question yeah and, and who who owns these responsibilities right i'm like obviously the notion of putting in a gigawatt hour of storage and backing off of fossil fuels at that that scale is what this whole thing's about that's wonderful right but you know you have to be careful with these kinds of things. You need the longevity for it to pencil out. So who, who's who's owning this? Well, it's probably it's not. Pro- it's it, Tesla may be backing it in some way, but it's not. I, I don't think it's coming directly from Tesla. I don't think Tesla is the bidding organization. You can have a variety of bidding organizations that are going to be utilizing power packs and mega packs. And are they going to be around to support those warranties? These are some of the things that I think are reasonable to think about, especially when you know that there's a concern about the uh, the chemistry. So that's my take. Yeah, and 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 to and to that end, there is the virtual community meeting. Now, a couple shows ago, we announced that that um, Miko would be having a um, community forum 
for uh, for folks. Of course, that has been postponed indefinitely. Uh, so they're doing it virtually. Uh, you want to there there are plans to build large scale battery systems across Hawaii, and one of them is going to be targeting uh, replacing the um, the Malaya Harbor uh, power generation facility. So we want to get on the um, the virtual meeting and talk with Hawaii Electric companies directly about your opinions for um, for these things. Do, do, do you want them? Do you don't? Where, they sh where should they be? They do, like I said, they take up a, a significant amount of space. Uh, but check on the uh, the MECO website and get online with the uh, the virtual meeting. Yeah. Uh, Jay, I thought I thought it was the Kahului power plant, the uh, 40 megawatt project to replace. Was it Kahului? The Kahului. It is Kahului. That, well, they say they want to retire it in 2024, but. Re Rich retraction. That's it's the Kahului power generation system. But I'm the least knowledgeable of any of this stuff. But um, uh, so what's yeah, part of? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, BT. No, no, no. Go ahead, Josh. What's what part of this conversation is the fact that Hawaiian Electric, which typically um, puts out RFPs, requests for proposals from third-party organizations, from IPPs, independent power providers, to provide solar plus battery systems. Right. In order for them to do that, they need land. They need capital. They need a big balance sheet, they need, a, you know, the technical prowess and all these different things to be able to do this thing. Uh, you know, a company like Interjex is one of the ones that we talk to on a regular basis, but there's a bunch of them out there. There's, uh, you know, there's Nextera, there's AES, there's a whole bunch of them. So the thing is, this is a self-build, right? Hawaii Electric proposed self-build five energy storage projects that go along with the renewables procurement. So they're they're self-building. They're, they're, they're not out there trying to, getting different bids to kind of see who can provide the best value. They're doing it themselves, and they're doing it on their own land, I believe, uh, let me check that out and be con confirmed. Yeah. So, you know, the the concern here is that you've got a company that's basically saying, no, we're going to handle it ourselves, <laughs> right? And are they getting the best value? Are they going to be offering the best value through that process? That's a reasonable question, I think. And I know that some of the some of the utility scale uh, providers that are used to doing these RFPs, you know, they're they're looking at that very closely. And yeah, one one of the things I said too is that um, they weren't going to share. The competitive uh, information with Hawaiian Electric, so that it is fair to the people that are bidding. So, I think it was good that we point that that out, and that they made a distinction on that. Hmm. Hmm. All righty. Okay. You know what? We're we're over. Uh, if you want to take that out, Jay, where can they check it out again? Just on the Hawaiian Electric website. Oh, the, the, the Hawaii Electric Companies or the Miko Miko website is the easy, easiest one. Open your uh, electric bill, and it's written right there. Okay, let's let's keep on keep on that, folks. We're going to go to our commercial break. We'll come right back with Zoltan from um, Mana Monitoring. Enduro Shield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment, reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. Enduro Shield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, Enduro Shield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com/solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear in Hawaii. And for on-site applications in Western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. 
Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right, those were our wonderful sponsors that have kept the solar coaster on the tracks for quite some time now, 152 episodes. We're here with Zoltan from Mon Monitoring. Uh, can you hear us okay, Zoltan? Hey, hi there. Yeah, this is uh, Zoltan with Mono Monitoring. All right, buddy. Well, I'm so glad we finally got you on the show. We've been talking about this for a while now. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. I feel like you've, you could have been here years ago with us, but uh, we finally got you on board. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, Josh. Thanks for having me. And I just wanted to express my appreciation for you to continuing to uh, do the Solar Coaster. It's a great show. And Great to stay oh, cheers, informed. <laughs> cheers for that. Cheers for that. So, uh, Zoltan, I know you. We've hung out. We've spent time together. I know you're from the industry and from different projects and stuff, but think you're new to the guys. So why don't you give us a sense of your background, of your company, of how you kind of got started in this place? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know how far we want to go back, but, you know, I studied environmental economics, and I started my career here in Hawaii. Um, you know, I did building, and then I advanced into, I wanted to get into renewable energy and started working in the PV industry and worked as, uh, you know, it's a, as you're familiar with the PV industry, you know, most companies, uh, everybody wears a lot of hats, so I wore, mm. you know, I did installations, project management, PPA financing, structuring, um, utility interconnection agreements, etc. and I think your show kind of coins it the best, that it's a solar coaster, and, um, as we saw, kind of this rapid installation of PV systems, you know, with a large variety of, of hardware and, you know, the associated software with the inverters, with the revenue-grade meters, you know, I saw kind of a, a problem mm. because all of these yeah. are installed, you know, assuming that they're just going to produce for 20 years. Um, and so I set out to start a software company um, with some guys I knew. I had a little bit of software experience myself, and uh, we started to build what we called kind of a hardware agnostic aggregator, so basically it's just a pure play software company that can pull in the data from any vendor, any hardware out there um, to ensure that, you know, these sustainable uh, energy systems are sustained. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we started to do that, and, you know, we've integrated um, hundreds of megawatts, not just here in Hawaii, but also across the mainland, and, um, and really are, you know, continuing to develop it and provide an agile system to help manage uh, not just solar, you know, it's the bulk of our work, <clears throat> but we provide a platform where you can integrate EVs, you can integrate batteries, um, and you can integrate, you know, e utility meters as well, or, you know, yeah, load meters as well, <clears throat> just to have a one-source place where you can log in, see your entire portfolio of, of, of systems, how they're doing, um, how they're performing, and then it's it's actually expanded quite a bit from there, but roughly in a nutshell, we, I think we're, we've been really fortunate to be able to do this here in Hawaii, because I think, as, as, as you guys know, you know, we're somewhat ahead of the curve, especially when it comes to, to the U.S., um, you know, we see a lot of the 
a lot of technologies get released here first, whether we're talking Tesla power walls or whether we're talking, you know, Canadian solar inverters. And we see a lot of technologies that go to the market here first, and then we also see the ensuing challenges, you know, in managing these. And uh, we're kind of fortunate to be here to be be on the cutting edge. Uh, most people just think of Hawaii as a place to, to visit and go to the beach, but there's actually a lot happening here when it comes to working towards our state-mandated 100% renewable targets. For sure, for sure. You know, this is kind of one of my areas that I really like to just kind of think about, and it's the because it's this notion that Hawaii uh, can be m- even more than we realize it to be, right? You, I mean, right. you're here on this, on the, the, and we talk about this a lot in the industry. Well, the, you know, things are happening here at a rapid pace. It's going to kind of move out through the rest of the country. Uh, you know, uh, eastward, right? <laughs> right. And, it, and in some ways it does. And storage is a good example of that, right? right. Uh, but so what I like about this is that you're, you're here in Hawaii, you're here in Maui, and you create this company and you take advantage of the knowledge that is, frankly, just kind of coming out earlier here. And then you apply it to not only business here, but also to the rest of the country and the world. And that's like one of the coolest things because we all talk about trying to do that. We're not quite sure how <laughs> all the time, but right, that seems right. to be an example of a successful uh, launch. And, and so, you know, kudos, right? I mean, just to kind of start with that, that's pretty rad. Yeah. And, you know, we see that and, you know, we're just such a an import reliant state. Um, and it's nice to see that we're, you know, we're able to, I guess, export, you know, um, intellectual capital. Um, you know, now that, now that, you know, we're not exporting sugar anymore, but I think there should, and I think we will see, and I think we should see more of this coming down, coming down the line. You know, Mm -hmm. we're just one of many companies, you know, located here, but, you know, there's a lot of other companies, um, in, in not necessarily in the same software space, but in the renewable energy space, you know, whether it's just, you know, utility companies talking and, you know, an interesting story was one of our first big clients was out of, um, out of New Mexico. Um, and they had a similar problem there where the utility company owned, um, you know, megawatt, you know, megawatts upon megawatts of solar PV solar farms. And, you know, they were, they were put out to bid and they were built by different contractors, you know, anyone from First Solar to PV Americas to a lot of sites. And they simply didn't have a unified dashboard to be right. able to, to, to look at all these, you know. And so they contracted us to tie these together for them. And uh, it was a, Technically, a very big challenge. We had to patch into SCADA servers and all, all different kinds of hardware uh, and software and interface with that. But at the end of the day, the utility management has a way to see all of their sites in one place in a very, you know, efficient in a very efficient manner. Um, instead of having, you know, have the technician or engineers log into each SCADA every time and and pull data. Um, so that you know that was a very interesting experience, and we you know we we were able to leverage that we did that here for a number of um, solar companies that had you know very similar issues, of course. Mm. You know, not SCADA issues in this case, but just issues in general in terms of how do I, how do I see if my portfolio is doing well without having to log into ten places. There you go. Can yeah, you can you tell that. us what SCADA stands for and what it means for for everyone? Yeah, it's it's supervisory um, control and data acquisition. Um, it's basically uh, a legacy method, uh, almost an analog method. Um, to to manage anything from wastewater plants to energy facilities and whatnot, um, and we see SCADA, you know, evolving and and, and turning uh, much more into the cloud and much more of a digital interface as it proceeds. But it's you know, in our opinion, it's kind of a legacy um, way to to manage um, to manage machinery and equipment. And gotcha, 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 gotcha. So it, 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 oh, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, Zoltan, uh, I was talking to a guy that runs a SCADA conference, and he actually lives on Maui, but um, I guess it's the whole SCADA architecture 
uh, and what you call it an operating system, was built sort of before security. So um, it's it's been around a while. So I'm sure there's some unique aspects that you've had to tap into on the the SCADA side. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, security is 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 you know going to be more and more important. And you know, we haven't seen this transition. You know, we in in in, in energy. You know, it's it's as we all know here on Maui and. We all face the utility company. Um, it's it's kind of a a set industry that's been operating the same for a hundred years, and now that's being upset and decentralized. And you know, in, in certain instances, security does take a back seat. Um, so I think we'll see kind of that that turnaround and security play a bigger role as 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 it's not you know one entity that controls the whole vertical. Um, you'll have a lot more points of, of vulnerability where where you know certain standards will need to be enforced and stepped up. Um, so I think that's a good that's a good point. So you know when I look at you got a pretty great website here by the way I like the oh, way it's yeah it's really easy to kind of navigate and you can see a lot of your work and cool things that are happening here. It tell, tell tell everybody where that oh, is. Oh yeah, monamonitoring.com. Is that right? That's M-A-N? right. Or if you if that's too long for you, you can just type in mana.solar. Mana.solar. There you go. <clears throat> and what I what I'm hearing here is that you were early on the kind of cusp of finding out how to aggregate these different systems for monitoring purposes. That was kind of like the first, I guess, part of this process, right? Sure. We want to be able to see this in one place. We don't want to have to go to five different portals and deal with three different manufacturers for inverters and get varying levels different of units of measurement. Yeah. And, and so you're, you're bringing that all together and you've got a special sauce that does that, I, I suppose. And, 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 and that's kind of uh, the stage that we're probably at now, but I, it seems like we, you would have a really good, viewpoint on the bi-directionality of the grid as it as it evolves i mean you, you you must be front and center with that that notion when we talk about it theoretically all the time but i would suspect that you've got a pretty uh pretty practical kind of understanding of some of the limitations and some of the opportunities uh am i correct in that assumption yeah i think that's absolutely true um you know it's a, and it's kind of a kind of a walk uh before you run dilemma um and you know we're, we're right now focused on on integrating and aggregating um, distributed energy resources, you know, kind of a, a read-only approach, if you will, um, with a bunch of other functions on there. But I think down the line, you know, we're seeing we're seeing new hardware become available. You know, whether it's um, SMA's kind of new version of cluster controller and and different ways to to dial back inverters and 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 we see batteries being integrated and and we're going to see energy arbitrage. Um, and I think I think you know when when people look at the 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 metrics of integration you know first thing you want to do is have everything in one place and then you can start building on top of that so we look at this as a foundation to be able to bring that in let's get the 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 O&M the maintenance the monitoring under control and then and then we can start to deploy features to be able to really leverage some of the new uh, technologies coming out there so I think that I think that's absolutely in the cards, and it's coming up here, you know, probably sooner than later. But until we have all of these kind of, you know, distributed energy resources centralized, it's going to be, you know, it's 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 kind of a, a chicken or egg dilemma. But you definitely don't want to put the carriage in front of the horse. So we're focused on aggregating and then, and then and then um, being able to provide more functionality as as the market opens up. I mean, you guys know, you know, we, there's talk about energy arbitrage about about certain utility incentives to be able to leverage batteries, but there's still a lot of uncertainty both on the technology side and, and on the economic side, um, you know, in terms of how 
how to monetize ancillary services, for example. It's not really cut and dry yet. It's economics are still a little bit gray. Um, We're talking so, about the, the, the that yeah. term value stacking of the batteries, right? Right. So right, all these right. different potential values. When you buy a battery, folks, you may be thinking, okay, well, hey, I need one in order to get a solar system and on a resi a resi scale, right? And, or or I'd like to get one when the when the grid goes out, so I have power, right? But right. then there's the those are a couple of value propositions. But the value stacking component comes into well, could there be a revenue stream if the utility needs to use that asset when you're not using it, right? And then there's different types of potential revenue streams from that value stacking idea. So that's, man, that's really cool stuff. It really is the kind of the the future of where all this goes. Gentlemen, do you, got, you guys want to jump in? you have any questions here? Bearcart? Jay? <laughs> uh, not, not so much question, just a lot of respect. I mean, I come from a software background, just a network systems guy, and, and taking all these disparate systems and, and unifying it, <laughs> just a tremendous undertaking. It's a lot of work, so right? I'm, I'm, re I'm really kind of impressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it is a lot of work and I think I think you know, we're we're so used to software um just being seamless and easy to use and hey, why can't I just download Mana and have everything connect and and you know, it, there's so many different vendors, so many different whether it's direct acquisition over you know, over an FTP protocol or over whether it's an API, which is an application protocol interface, there's a lot of work that has to happen behind the scenes. So so we, you know, we when we work with clients, we usually you know integrate larger portfolios, and and it's uh, it's it's almost like an agency. We have to work with them, hold their hand, especially through the integration process. And it's not, you know, the industry standardization is not anywhere close to being you know plug and play. Like, hey, can we pull this in? And so there's a lot of work there. Um, I think that happens behind the scenes that people don't, you know, don't realize, but they just expect everything to to just be seamless. Uh, so there's a lot of work there um, when it comes to integration, and it's it's really really interesting. And and um, you know, one of the cool yeah. projects I don't know, Josh, I, I, would be, I was going to mention the, this this project we recently did in Honolulu. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very interesting project. It was a state project for the Department of Education, and uh, they had a facility where they had solar, and then they installed batteries. They wanted EV chargers, and they wanted to monitor the utility feeders. And of course, you know you can have the inverter portion comes out, comes in, come you know comes along with the inverters. You can monitor that, and then you have the uh, utility uh, smart meters. You can monitor that, and then you can put in XYZ the EV charger and, and check out that. And what we did for them is we tied that all together, so they can log in and see this facility and see, you know, how much how much has been charged by solar, um, how much of the how much of the energy has come from the solar, how much is being um, diverted to electric vehicle charging um, and actually it was a pretty involved project we actually worked with a uh, with a company out of California called open EV and they have a really cool um, open architecture for level two electric vehicle chargers um, but they were they were kind of they didn't really have the software portion figured out so we actually wrote the software to be able to smart manage these um, these inverters so you can turn them on and off uh, sorry these uh, electric vehicle chargers so basically you can turn them on and off with your phone app um, you can turn them on and off from your from your web browser you can uh, set schedule times you can divert PV power so that the cars are really only being charged by clean renewable energy um, to really close that kind of loop um, and then, of course, there's the batteries, and, and we're kind of studying the batteries. Again, we're just doing read, um, read and, and monitoring them to see hey, how much is being you know, charged, how much is being discharged, 
you know, how is this, are they being used to their maximum level of efficiency? And, and what we see are that these are, you know, about a half megawatt. So it's, it's two Tesla, uh, two, there's two systems here, and they're Tesla batteries. And Tesla provides a great uh, monitoring interface, you know, to monitor whatever you have connected to that Tesla system. But, you know, the minute you step outside of their ecosystem, then you're kind of left hanging, right? So unless you have Tesla car chargers and you have a third-party charger, which could easily be the case, then, then you're left kind of hanging. Or if you're using an inverter that they, they don't interface with, then you're left hanging. And, and what we're seeing as well are, are that these batteries are there, but they're not nearly being used to their full potential. That's a great point. Great they're point. Not. And Tesla is a great company. You know, I think, I think they're really making good headway. But at the end of the day, as an end customer, um, there's always going to be a bigger fish for Tesla to deal with. Um, so either you're going to be on support, you know, on, on phone support or waiting for a technician for weeks, for months um, to help solve your problem, which, you know, for a facility, you know, could be a monthly problem of, let's say, $5,000 for Tesla. So that's not, you know, that's, right. that, that's not going to move the needle. So you do need, you do need, um, you know, agnostic, third-party, independent providers that can help you optimize these Shut batteries. That they can make sure that that you're that you're that you're getting the full value out of them because at this point in 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 in, in the industry, um, batteries are are really just being underutilized. Um, Let, let's take a, let's take a look at that, and this sure. is so interesting because we were just talking about there's a a slew of articles about the one gigawatt hour uh, multiple mega packs that are you know ready to be deployed you know through this RFP phase two it looks like on all our mm -hmm. islands poised, are, poised to be dropped on us poised to be airlifted <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. from from the moon <laughs> you know whatever with Tesla, <laughs> and so you know we get all these batteries and you just said like they're being underutilized the ones that are in place right now it doesn't surprise me that you said that. What do you mean by that? You mean are there is, is there are you saying that 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 in, in their in their self supply functionality they're being underutilized or they're not being uh, monetized in some of those additional value stacking opportunities and what you know frequency reg all these kinds of things and what what is it that you're seeing that is kind of like the low hanging fruit of the underutilization if I can say that yeah um, you know there, there's you know not to get too far ahead of ourselves of course we were, you know we can talk about value stacking and and whatnot but just in this specific instance which where we're analyzing it, you know, to give you guys some context, there's, there's, there's two separate systems, really. One battery is tied to one meter, the other one's tied to another meter. And uh, one battery seems to fully charge and just about fully discharge, you know, a couple times a day, and it really helps shave off the, off, off, um, the utility import. And, and the other battery is set to load following, and it barely, you know, discharges above half its capacity, and it barely charges. And, and the system owners don't really realize this. They're not that's you know, I'm sorry, but that's expert. because of the of the load on that particular meter. It's because of the way the battery was configured. So you, if you install this battery, a commercial battery, you say, "Hey Tesla, set it to reduce my peak charge, or set it to make sure it has enough power, energy in there to, to help you know to help overcome a, a utility outage, or set it to this, or set it to that." And Tesla will you know the installer will install it. Tesla will set that configuration for you, and then a month or two goes by. And you might realize that, hey, you know, we could still discharge twice a day and not have to curtail any of the inverters, curtail meaning, you know, turn them off. Um, so just even on the very basic level um, for commercial customers, I think there's a lot of optimization that right. can and will need, need to be done. And that's even before we get to some of these more advanced functionalities that, that are coming down the line. But even just on a basic principle, if it's not set up properly, and it's just, for example, following your peak load, and it just discharges from 8 to 9 and then sits idly for the rest of the day, that's definitely an underutilized asset.
Wow, look at that, gentlemen. What do you think? This, uh, you know, uh, Zoltan here is seeing the front line of this conversation, right? I mean, it's pretty, pretty interesting to see how, uh, you know, what he's seeing on a daily basis. Uh, wild yeah, stuff. Yeah, those, those types of choices, those types of choices are really difficult for people. I mean, when you, you come in and you decide you do want to put an energy storage system uh, in your in your company, um, but then they ask you a number of questions, and you don't necessarily know the the right best answer. And it really comes down to to their representative to come in and, and kind of educate you uh, to figure out what your energy uses. A lot of people don't put in that kind of effort, so you you will end up with settings that that don't optimize your buy, your purchase. And and Zoltan, here's a here's a direct question for you. What do you think about the the potential issues on longevity with some of these, especially these cobalt chemistries? I know you're not a battery chemist. But I mean, just in terms of seeing what you just said about the underutilization of a given asset, maybe it's not being utilized, not being discharged or or charged to in, in an optimal kind of zone. Right. Mm -hmm. That has the potential to, you know, to compromise the longevity of these things. What do you think about the idea of deploying a gigawatt hour of, of assets right now when, when you know, uh, noted, we kind of don't really know fully how to use these things to their optimal capability? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question. You know, everybody. You know, when solar, solar first uh, really took off, you know, it was in part due to, you know, the, the tax credits and then, but, but mainly the finance ability. And to me, it's interesting, you know, to me, I, I don't see that many battery assets being financed as easily as, as, as solar is. And, you know, one of the key things that, that gave investors confidence was that, hey, we have solar panels on the International Space Station that are there. They've been working since, you know, 1960. You can bet on this asset that it's going to work. Hmm. And to see these batteries being deployed, and it's basically just, you know, a big experiment, hmm. um, it just depends on who's underwriting it, um, right. you know, who's willing to take that risk. And I think we're going to see a lot of issues. And we can, you know, from our perspective, all we can do is mirror what we saw in the solar industry where we deployed, you know, megawatts upon megawatts of solar PV with all kinds of inverters. Um, and the thought was that, hey, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, this is a solar PV system, no, no moving parts, you install it and it's going to work. And those parts that do move, think inverters, you know, they are the ones that fail. Those are the system parts that fail. And then those are a relatively complex um, piece of equipment that you need specialty guys out there to fix it, right? You can't just have a, 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 an installer fix it. You usually need an electrician or a journeyman or at least, and then that's not even enough. You need a, an electrician who also knows how to do networking. Right. And that has, that's, that's a big, you know, that's a big challenge. So I, I'm just a little concerned with the rapid deployment of batteries because it's much more complex than, you know, than a solar inverter based system. Sure. And sure. are we going to have enough labor to fix it? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, there's one thing I want to say there, though. I mean, we we did we just talked about all, there's a lot of negativity about about a particular battery chemistry, and mm -hmm. we just told everybody to go on the virtual meeting for for Hawaii Electric companies mm -hmm. and and talk about this energy storage thing. I do want to make it very clear, though. I mean, we're this is we're still trying to figure this stuff out, but don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good here. Right. We're right, still right. making progress, and and if and if we don't roll them out and we don't do the research, we'll never figure it out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, and not to be kind of the the doubting Thomas here, but to me, whether it's lithium iron phosphate or lithium ion or cobalt, you, to, to me, you know, the, the lithium-based battery approach is, is, is it reminds me of pagers in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I, I would travel back and forth, you know, Hawaii and then, and then to Europe. I have family there. And, and for some reason, Europe, or everybody had cell phones already. And in America, we were still using pagers, you know. And, and I, I, I kind of got the feeling that, hey, the, the pager, you know, the manufacturers had a cartel, and they said that we can sell the rest of our stock for the next <laughs> years, and then we'll deliver cell phones. And, and to me, batteries are kind of in this intermediary space. We need batteries to help balance out the grid, to help for the deployment of renewables. But long-term, is that an environmentally sound solution, you know, 20, 30 years down the line? I would say that's a negative, you know, and, 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 and is that the best way? Probably not. You know, and I, in my mind, I always circle back to hydrogen as, as kind of oh, a, boy. Uh, a long-term <laughs> good solution, even though, this, you know, they've kind oh, of we're, been we're gonna go grab a beer 1960 later. as well, yeah. and we haven't seen anything happen. But, <laughs> uh, but one interesting yeah. thing, uh, you know, that I noticed in the market here, um, you know, that Cummins, you know, was a... Uh, you know, generator manufacturer. They re, you know recently purchased um, Hydrogenics Corporation for I think about 260 million, and you know I think that's a little foretelling as well that mm. hydrogen is coming down the pipeline. And if we look at the spot energy prices, where you know on certain days in in, in, in the traded markets, whether it's Europe or, or California, so you know solar power will, will be negative. I mean they're paying you to take it. So all of a sudden the, the question of efficiency of electrolysis. Yeah. Okay. So what if it's 60% okay. or 40% efficient? <laughs> Zoltan, I got to tell you, my, bro- my brother, uh, we've got a rule here. You don't say hydrogen with only two minutes left in the show <laughs> because he got Jason over there raring to go. Like, no, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, there's so much going on. Hydrogen is very exciting. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because it is, you know, the, it could be that, you know, the notion of lithium, I think the way you described it with pagers is a great, great example. Yeah, my mind was just kind of thinking, Jay, about the early level, uh, you know, uh, uh, is what do you call it? Uh, cell phones over in Japan. When they, when they were out so much mm-hmm. earlier. Those really high tech devices. Same thing, right? right. So um, absolutely. Hey, uh, one one, one real quick one before we only got about a minute left here. Um, yeah. Who is this really? Who is your product really for? Is what I want to know. You talked about companies and universities, etc., etc. In, what, in, in twenty seconds. Twenty yeah, seconds. Great, great question. Our company is really for um, for for solar companies that actually do care about O and M. We help them take care of that. So not only do we monitor, but we have a ticketing system, a reporting system. You can see outstanding issues on your phone all in one place. So they're really for solar companies. And, of course, for, for financiers and PPA companies that uh, can also bill off our platform to make there sure you have everything in one place. So we work across a few verticals, um, but generally solar companies and PPA providers. But just FYI, we, we're in the kilowatt kilowatt hour business, so we do also um, do submetering. We monitor a lot of condos here. All right, area. gentlemen and Zoltan, I got to thank you for your time today. It's been wonderful to get to know you. I'm so glad we brought you on. Monomonitoring.com or Mana, what was it again? Mana.solar. Solar. Mana.solar. Gentlemen, it's been a great show. 152, thank you. We are sponsored by Fairwinds Wealth Management, Sundrum Solar, uh, Pantech Design, Enduro Shield, and Perfectly Clear Glass, and a bunch of other great companies. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Be safe out there. Aloha Friday. Bye-bye. Yep. All right, guys. J and BT. I'm going to... I had some... um... I I had some good questions for the guy because I was going to say he's in a unique spot because he's downstream of all this different vendor data. 